magic, murder, problematic misogynistic undertones? Join us as we delve into one of Britain's best-loved TV shows. So grab your duffel coat, don your curly wig, and dig up that 90s character actor as we welcome you to Podcast Macabre, the Jonathan Creek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Podcast Macabre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's your level of energy, David. I don't want to do this one. You don't want to do it? I'm you exhausted. We've got to do it. I'm exhausted. Our tens of fans mm-hmm. will be disappointed. Um, it, it was really exhausting, this episode. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I've gone into kind of a bit of a hysteria, which I think will dip about halfway through the podcast, yeah. and then it will get boring for a while. <laughs> I'll probably lose my concentration and then yeah. I'll get back up and then uh, and then hopefully we'll just drive on through to the end. And yep. that's what I recommend for you, listener, Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Um, um, but we, you know, we hope you're not exhausted. We hope you guys are... Hope you're all doing, doing well. well. Yeah. Um, um, have you... Uh, hopefully you've been uh, able to see some, some people. Yeah. Perhaps. Hopefully not thousands of people on the beaches of Bournemouth. Yeah, that's a bit silly. That it? was yeah, not advisable, really. No. Um, but it's but been lovely weather. Lovely weather. Yeah. We had a little walk around the park earlier, didn't we? We did our local park. We're very lucky to be a mere two-minute walk from a, a beautiful park. So uh, yeah, it was very nice. Delightful. And then and then we uh, it all went downhill really. It all went downhill once we, we started watching the Judas Tree. The Judas Tree, which is a 2010 Christmas special. So a year on from uh, last week's one. Yep. Um, uh, again with Sheridan Smith. Um, and I'd like to say now I've watched two. Um, it's a controversial opinion. Looking at a lot of stuff online, I think Sheridan Smith's my favourite um, companion. Yeah. I I agree. Right? Yeah. yeah, I agree. She's so good in this. But like, like the consensus is that she's the worst one. But she's the only one who. But like, I, she I, actually spins the, the yeah. script into believable dialogue. Like, yeah, she with what she gets, she's so good. Yeah, I think. I think she. Yeah, I think she's fantastic. Well, we agree on that then. Yeah, we do. That's good. We do. Um, so I like this episode. Um, I like the title of it. I think the Judas Tree is a good title. Yeah. Um, I also uh, I like the fact that I have a good memory of it. Um, like when someone says the Judas Tree, I, when we, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I like this one. Now I realise that I don't think I've ever actually seen it. I remembered <laughs> nothing. The thing is about I, it. I know I've seen it. Yeah. But like you, I have no memory. There's one thing that we'll come to, one tiny thing that I remembered about a note, and that's it. I don't remember anything else about this episode, but I know I was, because I would have watched it. Yeah. so I, I would have watched it yeah, as well, but I, I, know I, I seen couldn't it, remember I, any of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that it starts with a cold open, mm-hmm. um, which return of the cold open. And this is a David Rennick directed, um, as all the specials are from yeah. now on, I believe, uh, last week's um, and... and uh, on, on from now um, and we have a cold open of two young women driving a um, red uh, BMW convertible yeah um, and uh, Call Me by Blondie's playing yep. in the car and they've kind of got the wind in their hair it's and it's very sunny... windy it's very it's windy very windy day which is important it is important um, and it's in the 80s yeah well uh, 1988 apparently yeah I mean... But it, I mean it doesn't tell you that in the episode I had to look that up online but it's yeah. uh, uh, it's meant to be 1988. Okay, so we've got two women. Um, we don't know who they are, but one of them gets out because mm-hmm. they drive past a house. Yeah, and then they look back 
and the house is no longer there. Yeah. Um, so mystery number one, 1988, The Mystery of the Vanishing House. Mystery of the Vanishing House. They, uh, one of them goes out to try and find yeah. the, where the house is. I mean, gone. I don't know why. I don't know what they're going to achieve. Yeah. Um, uh, and when she runs towards where she thought the house was, um, uh, a hand grabs her ankle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's an old man, in the words of character later on the episode, slithering around. Slithering around. <laughs> Uh, he is, he's in, I said to you, is it Geiger's brother? Yeah, because it's the same position. Geiger in The Three Gamblers, guys, he's in, in the exact same position and he looks quite similar. Um, and uh, yeah, he, it, it's a bit sort of sinister. Yeah. It is a bit sinister. Having said that, I don't buy that the immediate thing you would do if that happened would be to take off your stiletto heel and bash the guy's head I in. mean, it's pretty brutal. Like, without, because... Like, it could, yeah, he could be a, a creepy and trying to do something, but yeah. he, but you're... You don't know that. You're stood up, he's prostrate on the floor with his hand on your ankle. What's what's he going to do before you can say, oh my God, what's going on? Are you okay? What yeah. are you doing to me? No idea. I don't know why there wasn't a conversation. I don't know why that was her immediate. I, yeah, are you all right? Yeah. Um, I think the old man was played by Sean Buckley. I um, don't care. Who was in The Fifth Element in 1997 and also Les Miserables in 2012. Um, IMBD, I can't definitely confirm this because there's no picture of him. And one of the most frustrating <laughs> things about this is that I always look up the name of the actors so I can name check them all uh, on IMBD. But there, there none of the actors in this, even the kind of well-known ones, <laughs> seem to have pictures on their own. I'm like, what does that say about this episode? <laughs> Um, when none of the actors have done enough things to have got a picture on the international TV and movie database. So, yeah, there that happens. And then... Um, and, and we also know that the... We, we kind of like her, I think. We're yeah. meant to feel sorry for her a bit, I think, even though she beats a man with a shoe. Yeah. But the other one throws a Coke can out of the car, and I just wrote down littering. Yeah. Um, a litter bug. So we know that there are questionable... There are question marks over her character. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, well, then it's the credits. That, that's the credit. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. The credits kick in. Um, and then we have a, a kind of a camera closing closing up on a blonde, fairly young... Yeah. I don't know, where would you put her? About 25, 26? I'd say about 25, 26. About 25, yeah. 26. Yeah. Um, and she's in bed and... She, it, it's kind of night, but then it's morning, and she's screaming. It, yeah, it's it looks like um, a scene from the uh, "I Would Do Anything for Love" music oh, yeah. video because it's sort of like that weird, sort of almost black and white to show it's nighttime. It, it's, yeah, yeah, it, it is. I know what you mean. That kind of eighties style, mm, but so we're not I in thought, the eighties anymore. Yeah, but because of that, yeah, I thought. This was another thing that was happening in the eighties to someone else, Fair but it, it's not. It's 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 present day, uh, and uh, yeah, as you say, uh, morning. She wakes up uh, uh, screaming, um, kind of wakes herself up, wakes screaming. herself up screaming. Uh, they are in a large mansion because it's Jonathan Creek, so of yep. course they are uh, belonging to Hugo Dore. Hugo uh, Dore, played by the. Uh, attractive Paul McGann. <laughs> yes, yes. 
I'm trying to think of something to say about him. I'm like, well, he's famous for being attractive. He's a he's a brilliant actor. Well, yeah, he's good. He's, he's, he's excellent. I don't think I've ever seen him be, be bad in anything. No. Bad in anything. He's excellent. Um, and he's, uh, you know, another Doctor Who um, yeah. Venn diagram crossover there. Um, people, A lot of people say he should have done more. Yeah. So he did quite a lot of radio. I mean, I'm, as you well know, I'm uh, one of the five people in the world that isn't a huge fan of Withnell and I. And even I think, yeah. I think he's excellent in that. Yeah, he is very good. Um, very good in that. Very, very good. Um, probably could do some more work, actually, couldn't he? Yeah, we saw his brother Joe in a play recently, didn't we? We did. He yeah. was great in it. The yeah. show was not good, but there was yeah. a very dramatic thing that happened in the middle. It was it was upstaged by someone r- r- running out and fainting. Yeah. An audience member. And then, for some reason, that meant that about 30 different people from the audience all, one by one, went out to check on her. It was utterly surreal. Yeah. Um, and then the front of house staff were just audibly having conversations on their yeah on their um, uh, walkie talkies to each other, and whilst the play was happening, yeah, it was it was the weirdest thing, but it was more engrossing than the actual play itself. Yeah. Um, but Joe McGann was very good. Uh, yeah. He he is also good generally. I do think Paul McGann's the better actor of the two. Oh, controversial McGann. Um, rivalry. Well, in David's head, I, I, um, I think that we're stalling. We know we're stalling because we just got to get through. I don't want this bit. We've got to get through the first twenty minutes, okay? We've, we've got, we've got to get through all of it. But it's, yeah, uh, because there's a hundred and eighty-five mysteries in this. That's not. There's about seven. Um, nonsense. So that we don't know anything about that, but we know that Paul McGann's house. Um, he lives here. He's a writer yeah. called Hugo Doré, and he's a crime writer. Yeah. And um, he lives with his publisher wife. Yeah. We don't know the name of yet. Um, and we find out that the girl who woke up screaming to herself, the yeah. woman, um, is the cleaner. She's the cleaner. Uh, yeah. Relatively new. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of a little bit of jealousy coming from um, Paul McGann's wife, the publisher. Um, yeah. towards our young yeah. 20-something cleaner um, and the old lady of the house, who's like the housekeeper. She's not a relative. Just to be clear about, because this is important for later on, the wife's jealousy. Yeah. The wife, we know this because we see the wife looking jealous. Yeah. From a distance to, yeah. to to herself, so so that jealousy is, is only is played genuine. It's yeah, not played it's as if she's trying to make anyone else think that she's jealous. Yeah. So in that moment, she is actually jealous. Yeah. Okay. Remember that. Um, we are then uh, the old lady of the house gives yeah. her some advice. That was all. So they we know that the old housekeeper. Um, uh, is um is kind of quite nice and she's giving some advice and in that advice she tells the young cleaner a story yeah so this is another weird thing about this episode is the flashback so we start with a flashback from 1988 we're then in the present day although the beginning of it's filmed like it could be a flashback yeah we then now go to a flashback of something that happened in 1880. Oh my God, can we stick in the yeah. one timeline? No. Okay. We can't. Um, and and we, we find out that the house was originally owned by some rich guy who uh, had an interest in lots of different things and science and a bit of a renaissance kind of man. Yeah, he was a neuroscientist. Was he a neuroscientist? Yes. Yeah. Okay, gosh. In 1880? Yeah. 
Um, and he had a fling with a young, um, what was uh, a, a, she described as a, as a witch? Yeah, by uh, she Creek. was she was an Egyptian right. uh, woman, an Egyptian um, woman. Was, yeah, like a, a a mystic of sorts. A mystic. That's a good word for it. And and she uh, and uh, the owner of the house in 1880 had this affair. Yeah, uh, love affair. And then he eventually got. Um, bored with her, which is represented by him throwing her across the room, <laughs> yeah, quite violently, and yeah. immediately going out of the same room, yeah, through the same doorway. We see her, him embrace and kiss another yeah. woman. Yeah. It's like, that's, yeah, who's got to be his, his wife? That's not how. No, no. she goes to kiss him. Doesn't yeah. know anything about it. He throws her across the room, says no, and then he kisses someone else. <laughs> like, that's not how. Relationships that's, work, yeah, even no, in 1880. How, that's how breakups work. That's, okay. Um, so Hell hath no, hath no Fury, like a woman scorned. Yeah. Um, that's uh, some Shakespeare, isn't it, that thing? Mm, um, uh, and, and she says she's going to put a, yeah. a, uh, uh, a curse And she says, on him. you are going to die through a note. She writes yeah. him a note saying, you're going to die at 3.15. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he goes out into the garden puts his chair yeah. from I think inside the house, takes it into a middle of a field. Yeah, yeah. For some reason. He's sitting down. And then he just having a nice sit down in the middle of a field on pres- a yeah. dining room chair. Just yeah. nothing no table, nothing, no, no drink, yeah. just uh, yeah. And then uh, presumably he's going, Oh, judging by the clouds, it must be getting under about three fifteen. Oh, I've got a pocket watch. So he yeah. gets out a pocket watch, looks at it, sure enough, it's three fifteen, and then he collapses and dies. Yeah. Oh uh, well, uh, the uh, his uh, Egyptian mistress screams that yes. he collapses. Sorry, he hears a scream. Yeah, uh, coming from somewhere else around the field. Yeah, doesn't know what, but and then and then collapses and dies. Yeah, uh, and uh, the uh, coroner's report because f- for once there was one um, <laughs> in uh, 1880. In 1880, yeah, but not in the present day. No. Crucially, um, uh, they found that there was uh, no sign of heart attack or poisoning. No. no marks on his body. Um, How yeah. did he die? Yeah. That's the lateral thinking uh, puzzle for this episode. No, it isn't. No, no, it isn't. There are way more. No sign of poisoning. They say that. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, yeah, I could argue that point with you. So okay. we'll we'll, ben- we'll, we'll okay. bench it for now. Okay. Um. So so that's something. That yeah, an old so, lady tells a young cleaner in the house. So already we're about six, seven minutes in. Yeah. We have... There's a house that's disappeared in 1988, uh, with, uh, with a man by a man on, on the floor, slithering around. Uh, <laughs> and then in 188, uh, there's a woman waking up screaming. And then in 1880, there's a story that we apparently need to know uh, about a man somehow uh, dying and the woman predicting when he was going to die. And the only name we know is Hugo Dore. Mm-hmm. So we haven't mentioned any names because we yeah. don't know any of yeah. the names of any of these people. We've not been told any names of anyone. Then we cut to uh, Adam and Adam Klaus and yeah. Jonathan Creek in a church hall. Yeah, yeah. It looks, we would say it looks a little bit like the Space Arts Centre in it, the Isle of Dogs. It looks incredibly like the Space Arts, but Center. with a much kind of higher stage. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's some. It's like a little kind of small stage well, church hall a, a, thing. According to the episode, it's in Cricklewood, but. Um, Right, he's, he's at the the bus stop he uh, goes out to. It's says Cricklewood on it. Right. So I don't know if there maybe there is a church hall in Cricklewood that looks like it. Maybe there is. Um, Cricklewood bus garage. That's the, uh, mm. the thirty six, isn't it? From Victoria goes to there. 
Oh, I don't know. Like it, um, it, it terminates in quicker wood bus garage. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and so Adam and, and uh, JC are rehearsing a, uh, a, their magic act there. Mm-hmm. Right. And Adam has got his head caught in a fake plate to do with some act. Yeah. So, so we what we first see when it comes to them is Jonathan saying, yep. Yeah, and so there'll be a tight pan over to... The, and I was like, I've written for, down... For a TV show. Okay, so Jonathan definitely directs the TV show. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely now confirmed that he... Because he wouldn't be talking like that if he didn't. Yeah. So Jonathan's definitely the director of the TV show, which again now last week <laughs> makes me even more confused as to why he wasn't watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Why he wasn't, he wasn't there when Fine. it was going yeah. out live. Yeah. Um... And then Joey, and so, and he's talking about um, the fact that he was on like a comic relief style show, yeah, and said something that has been con- uh, interpreted as potentially a bit racist, yeah. Um, and he's moaning about the fact that the press have kind of jumped on it, and he's yeah. like, "That's not what I meant. It was taken out of context." Yeah. Um, now that would never happen today, would it? <laughs> um, and. He's annoyed about this, and Jonathan's saying, "Don't worry, you know that's it's the press, it's what they do." And in walks Joey, Joey Sheridan Smith. I did wonder if this storyline is somehow linked to something that happened with David Rennick in real life. Yeah, because so. it, it, yeah, it feels a Bitter. little. It fe- yeah, it feels a little bit like his, his, the it's his two pennies worth on the, the press. Yeah, the the protagonist in this situation is is misplaced it's yeah like what david Rennett wants us to care about within this b yeah. story is to is, feel sorry is to feel sorry for adam, adam Klaus, Klaus. which is not the important thing but it's also weird like because D- david Rennick started off as a journalist mm. why and he seems to be really anti-journalism yeah um now i don't know why yeah, that is yeah, like, yeah yeah the last week's episode as well with the woman and the yeah, bees that's what made me think of it yeah I was of course like, yeah I, I, i'm pretty sure he started out as a yeah. As a local journalist. Um, um, sorry, yes. So yeah, Joey Ross. Joey Rocks in. Uh, comes back. Joey Ross Rocks in. Joey Ross Rocks. Uh, and there's a weird conversation where jo- Jonathan's a, like very dismissive of her. Yeah. Because she's now working as a waitress. And again, it's Jonathan being a bit classist. He's yeah. He's got this tendency to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and going, oh, I suppose you come here looking for a job. Yeah. Um. And then she says, "Oh, why did you? How? What make? What makes you think I'm a waitress?" And then he turns into Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock Holmes, which he's never he's like like, like his powers character, of deduction. Yeah, like yeah. it's never been that. His thing's always like it takes a while, mm-hmm. and he sees these things and they slowly come together in his mind. But yeah. he went, "Well, you could tell from the red things on your fingers and this and then." And I was like, yeah. "No, that's not. You've just watched an episode of Sherlock. That's what's happened. He's yeah. never." Uh, he's never done that apart from when he, he's a maths genius and he's better <laughs> yeah. than the than the cash point uh, the cash register in the first episode. <laughs> he's never worked his brain's never worked that quickly since. Yeah. So that was a weird thing to do. Observation isn't is um yeah. Is, you know cause fast deduction skills are not really in it. But they are now, so that's good. Um and then she ends up actually getting a job because she says oh let me be adam's like assistant you know in yeah. the magic trick and they rehearse together yeah and that seems to be going well and then we cut away in the middle of them rehearsing yeah. so i'm thinking oh we're going to and like a meanwhile, meanwhile this yeah, is going yeah, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not but it's jonathan greek again yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's cut as if it's happening at the same time <laughs> did she thought the same thing yeah 
yeah. but it's not. It's him yeah. kissing the cleaner that we saw earlier. Well, no, no, there is there is a scene before that that explains why that's happening. Oh, go on, then. go on. Let's. Uh... Yeah, there's uh, at the bus stop, the Cricklewood bus stop, and he. Oh, sorry, sorry. So before, yeah, yeah it cuts to the Cricklewood. Oh, yeah, so it does it twice. Go on. Yeah. So he sees he's uh, sat waiting for a bus, and he sees our our, our cleaning lady, uh, uh, Emily. Yeah. Um, and uh, they have this weird smile. And Jonathan's flirty smile is is really I don't like it. Um, <laughs> it's it's just it's weird. It's a weird look that he gives her. Um, uh, and then she like smiles back, and then and then yeah, it cuts to later on the, later them in a hotel room, and I was yeah. like, right, oh, oh okay. Again, it would have been it would have, for the pacing of the show would have felt maybe like it should have gone to something else and then yeah. back to that. Or we could have seen a bit more of them going on a, a date, presumably. Although they're in the hotel room and they're having a conversation about not not talking about small talk or what each other do. So I was like... That's literally what I've literally written. This one night stand is really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah re- really weird if that's what it is. But, which but it because obviously it's, is. Because it's not like... It's not played like they were oh, like saw each other and were overcome with like physical passion and just like oh we got to get a hotel room and yeah and like you know go and, and sleep together because they they're playing it as if they're an old married couple getting ready for bed yeah and I was like but that's but it's ready but, but they're talking as if they've immediately gone to this hotel room yeah it, it's so strange it's so strange and then. They're kissing, and then he goes into the bathroom, um, yeah. and she says, "Oh, just to warn you, there are a couple of things I don't like. Uh, first of all, I don't do tongues in ears." And then it cuts to Jonathan, who's been cleaning his ears in the in the bathroom, and then yeah. kind of dejectedly puts his cotton bud <laughs> down on the sink. It's like, were you expecting a lot of tongue in your ear? Is that why you were cleaning it? What weird. a bizarre thing. Um, but also, it feels like it's written that way because David Rennick's a prude and, and thinks that that's what people do. That yeah. They tongue each other's ears. Um, and then he says, uh, and then she says, and also, don't be alarmed if I wake up during the middle of the night. And then she tells him about the fact that ever since she saw um, a house disappear years ago and a man grab hold of her leg, that she's never been able to sleep properly. So we now learn that these are the same people. Yeah. Um, but they they weren't before because they're they, we didn't think that before because they're played by different actors. Yeah. Um, and also, it it doesn't feel to me like this person is old enough to be twenty two or something, or however old she's meant to be in the eighties. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, so I got confused, and yeah. you did some work on this. Yeah. So she's th- she is meant to be thirty nine because as I say, it's set in eighty eight. We're obviously we're in. 2010 now and yeah. she says she's 17 at the time so she's meant to be 39 yeah which she i mean maybe a very young 39 yeah um i was like okay that's not as yeah okay fine um because i thought it was earlier in the 80s um than it was so i was like okay it's not like mid 40s which is what mm. i was thinking they were meant to be saying um 39 maybe i could get away with but then you looked up the actual actress's age she was born in 79 yeah so so she's nearly a decade younger in real yeah. life which is 
which is which is fine. But that makes it even more confusing that they chose to use a, a different actor, a different they actor in the they flashback. She's the same one because she's already they. That she should literally, have been. Well, no, she's she's in the middle of those two oh, ages, yeah, she's, isn't yeah, she? She's in, yeah. So if she can convincingly play nearly a decade older, then she could probably nearly convincingly play herself at seventeen. Yeah. Why have they chosen another actress who, by the way, definitely looks older than seventeen? Yeah. and is also a completely different person with a different face. So it's it, it's it, it's unfathomable it's baffling i don't know why that was the casting choice but th- this on top of the casting choice before where we had an actress playing two people who were meant to be very similar looking but <laughs> in gorgon's made them Wood, up yeah. so much that they didn't look remotely the same yeah in gorgon's Wood, that like there's something going on with the casting yeah. here um so that confused me and then jonathan just turns into a complete asshole and says, "Oh, I see mystery with a vanishing house. Uh, you, 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 uh, you, you obviously just got it. Come, you know, seduced me so that you can I can solve your mystery for you. Well, if you think that you've got another thing coming, like, yeah, horrendous." And she's going, "I'm oh, sorry, I don't know what you're talking about." He was like, "Oh yeah, you just bumped into me in the in the Cricklewood bus garage, yeah, uh, bus stop. Oh yeah, fine." Um, and then just has a massive go at her. I. It's it's odd because again is Jonathan like is is he aware of his level of fame or not? Yeah. Oh, I mean we're not aware well, of his level the, of fame. That's also a bigger problem. It's, it's, yeah. Like what? Yeah. It's it's like I can see that he would think it's quite a coincidence that she's had an unsolvable mystery happen in her life and now she's yeah. ended up. But also he is. A man who famous for like deducting things and working things out yeah. and and understanding like logic and reason. So it so he he must be aware that for her to have for that to have been a deliberate thing that she's trying to seduce him yeah to for him to solve her mystery that she would have had to have orchestrated randomly being near the bus stop he was gonna be like. Like, surely he can see that's not a possible thing for... Yeah, yeah so it's... Yeah. It's very bizarre. Now, there is an IMDB um, review for this. Okay. Um, and it, it's entitled, Unsufferable Creek. Jonathan Creek, he is actually a lot worse than Adam. His condescending pedantry toward everybody doesn't help. Utterly unpleasant character. How could he evolve that into a mystery? Uh, how he could evolve into that is a mystery of its own. I'm like, well, that's what we've been saying. Yep. Yeah. For Good. months. Good. So I'm a, glad that finally persons out there. someone's actually seen the episode yeah. and decided to comment on it in a similar vein. Because it, But sociopath. this scene just really cements the fact that he's just really, yeah, quite sociopathic. Yeah. Um, like I also just have to mention when she's telling him the story, she starts it off by going, when I was 17... Me and the girl I was living with at the time. Oh, but that's another story. And then... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, all right. Are we going to... Now, unless... Unless that other story is the reveal. Which, right. Which in which case negates Joey's uh, theory about her, her, her trauma blocking out what we're going to talk about later on. Yeah. If if the other story about her and her family is is a nod to that, then that's quite a little subtle 
way of letting us know that she be. was fully aware of it all the time. It could be, but I I, I, I it read is. it as um, that's another story. I'm bi or bi curious or queer. Like I I I thought it was like a thing to show that this lady's interesting, but also it's the type of thing you might say to titillate a man in the nineties. Like okay. Oh, well, yeah, by the way, I go with women too. 2010. Y- yeah, with a sense of humour level of the 90s. No, Rennick's not moved on at all here That's from 99 to 2000. That's very true. Um, still three, three teenage really, boys in a coat. I was really expecting it to when we started this podcast series. To, I was really expecting that the new ones, because I couldn't remember them as well. Yeah. I was like, I'm sure that, oh no, they're exactly the same level of the ones in the 90s. Um, so, yeah. Um, we then uh, go so to is it either do we then go we to go a back, bit of I Adam's think. show with with Joey or is this straight back to we have a little bit in between um, where she's now back at the house the yeah. cleaner yeah 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 that's what I so it goes straight from Jonathan and her to her to her yeah that's what i, I the whole, yeah that's this, what i've got the structure written, of this episode is really bad it doesn't make sense um yeah so yeah she's she's back at home with uh hugo doré's publicist wife uh, yeah. harriet um who gives her this letter she's received a letter and she opens yeah. it and uh uh the letter says uh you're gonna die in three days uh, lots of love. But <laughs> uh, uh, signed Salima, who yeah. is the name of the Egyptian mystic woman from 1880. Yeah. Um, and she says, and um, uh, Emily's like, God, oh, that's all a bit. We learn her name. Yeah. This is this is now uh, 18 minutes in. Yeah. We learn that the protagonist's name is is yeah. Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Now we know who Emily is. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so. Uh, um, she's like, oh my god! Or you, you think, well, oh, that's that's crazy, Salima. She's that woman from the story. Yeah. Um, that Mrs. Ga- Mrs. Ga- Ga- Gatsby, Mrs. Ga- whatever the other know. one's name was, uh, told me. And she goes, mm, but why is it written in your handwriting? Yeah. And she like freaks out, and he's like, what? No, what? Honestly, you, oh, you must believe me, don't you? And then Robert goes, yeah, all right then. And I was like, okay, that's I'm it. Glad, I'm glad we got that for. <laughs> For that um and then you're right then we yeah. go to adam mm-hmm. um and joey yeah and someone has made a, a video of yeah. adam so there was footage of him um meeting some just various people of color and yeah shaking hands so, yeah on a trip to africa yeah and someone cgi'd in uh, a hitler Jacket, uniform, moustache, and hair. Um, Quite badly. And then we get what's basically David Rennick trying to understand how CGI works through the mouth of of Jonathan. But but Jonathan's saying it as if this is all really technical. And I was listening to going, I don't think that's like half of that's not how those things work. Like it's so wrong. But it, because David Rennick's not bothered to research and actually work out what the cgi is that has been used and yeah. how that could possibly be done he just says a load of you know rotoscoping and words he's heard other people say and has put it 
in a sentence and then they yeah. all act as if Jonathan's really smart and talking in all this technical yeah. jargon. And I'm like, no, but he's not because none of that, all that's not nonsense. It would be like um, seeing uh, seeing a, a shot, a, a picture that's been photoshopped yeah. and then you show it to a Luddite in the pub and they go, oh yeah, well that's deep fake, isn't it? You go, well, no, because that's yeah. a very specific thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using yeah. a specific form of technology. Yeah. You're, you're just, but it's all right because we've all had a pint and you're an old man in a pub. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. But unfortunately, the old man in the pub is writing it and is giving it to yeah. the voice of the man who should know how these things... Had, he he wouldn't talk about something unless he knew about it, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. I would say that should be a Jonathan Creek. Anyway, so um, I think we're meant to find Adam in a Hitler uniform funny. Um, and it's like, we can always poke fun at him because he's the guy with the privilege and the fame and the money. Um, but, but it isn't really funny. No. It's just, and I understand why Adam's annoyed about it. Because if someone, yeah, got a video of me and and put a Hitler moustache on me whilst interviewing like three yeah. black men, I would I'd feel really uncomfortable about. Yeah, that. yeah. But Jonathan's not, not bothered in the slightest. No, no, he's more fascinated about the technology of it all, but not fascinated enough, fascinated enough to, to learn actually, actually know how, how it works. Done. Yeah. Right. So just to recap, we're now twenty minutes into the episode, and we've got. The mystery of the missing house. Yeah. We've now also got the man on the grass. Yeah. We've got the 1880s mysterious cursed death. Yeah. And now what happens um, is um, a fourth mystery. Yeah. Where Emily has gone into the woodshed. Sorry, this is a fifth mystery because we've got the note. We've got the note, sorry. So that's fourth. Yeah. The note of the you'll die at 3.15. Yeah. And no, then, no, 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 no. Uh, not that note. The which note, note? You'll die in three days. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the, the 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 one signed Salima, but yeah. in the modern day, not yeah. the old one. Yeah, and now we're about to have our fifth mystery. Yeah, which is Emily going into a woodshed. Yeah, and seeing a hologram. Yeah, on the logs. Yeah, of uh the publisher, but but is it no? Ne- it's dressed it's... as the old Egyptian. No, lady? I think it's. The actress that plays Salima from the flashback, which is, which is so weird because that's like, like I don't think, like I, th- like the way they did it is it's her dressed up, right? That's how yeah. they did it. But I don't think she thinks that's thinks what it. it is. I think she, I think they've dressed her up because they've gone. She looks a bit like the woman in the flashback. Oh no. Which doesn't make sense because the flashback's only for us. The flashback doesn't exist in their world. That's, that's, really that's dumb. her head. That's inside her head. So they don't know what she thinks. The story that they didn't tell her, by the way, that the, the elderly. Oh yes, yeah, so Emily doesn't know anything about this. So so. Well, no, oh, no so Emily, Emily. Emily knows because the old lady told her, but but they don't know. The that publisher Emily and Paul McGann don't know that Emily's aware of any of it. Yeah. So, so who is it for the benefit for? So I, yeah. No. But, but no so it's a fifth mystery, not just for Emily, but for us as viewers as yeah. well. Yeah. This is 20, just over 20 minutes in. 22 minutes I've got, yeah. And I still don't know the name of the publisher. Yeah. Who's married to Paul McGann, who's called Hugo. And I don't, I don't, I, there's so much that isn't clear. Yeah. But okay. So now Emily says, right, five mysteries. I'm freaking out. Yeah. I'm going to go and get this solved. But doesn't go to Jonathan Creek because one, 
he, he doesn't she didn't know he was a mystery yeah, man exactly, yeah. but now knows he is a mystery man and nearly had sex with him mm-hmm. but ignores that coincidence and goes to Joey who yeah. has famously worked with Jonathan Creek on the last yeah. mystery that was famous a year ago that she knows all about so goes to Joey and says can you help me out yeah and Joey goes off and does some spying on Paul McGann's wife uh who seems to be doing uh something in a field we yeah, with a tree with a tree but there's no there's no sign of anything being dug up there's no sign of anything being planted there's no sign yeah. of anything being done to the tree so she's not sure what she did but she saw her do something but there's no evidence of anything happening so that's at 22 minutes and that's mystery number six gosh <laughs> wow wowzers trousers six mysteries in 22 minutes and there's more to come guys don't worry um then yeah so 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 joey goes back to jonathan creek yeah in his hotel room yeah why is he just living in a hotel i don't know because they're rehearsing and that's where he because it's too far to get from cricklewood to the to the the windmill the windmill i don't know maybe i don't know maybe um but he's Alan Davis has got a terrible cold for this scene. Yeah, and I was really distracted by that. <laughs> he just sounds just sounds really yeah. bunged up in his nose. Yeah, and she's saying, "Come on, I, you know, is that the uh, you know is that you? I can hear you licking your uh, the the smacking of your lips as you uh, yeah. you think of how good it would be to get involved in another mystery." And he goes, "No, not really. I'm not that interested." And she goes, "Oh, go on, come and help me." And he goes, oh, all right then. Yeah. And that's what that scene's about. Yeah. And we also learn that the name of the the house yeah. is, 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 is Green Lantern's Place. Green Lantern's Place. Now, Metropolis, you yeah. know, great film. Yeah. Um, word for meaning big city. Yeah. And also. Yeah. The city where Superman lives. Ooh. And now this is called Green, Green Lantern's Lantern. Place. So so I don't know what the DC Comics references are about. Maybe Relic's just a fan of DC Comics. Why is this house that we know has existed at least since 1880? Yeah. Why is it named after a superhero character that was created in 1940? <sighs> I, I don't, don't know. I don't know why it's called Green Lantern's Place. I mean, you wouldn't. He's not called the Green Lantern because of um, uh, an English um, story. No. set in eighteen eighty. No. Is he? No. Okay. Well, that's that theory out the window. I've tried, David. No. I've tried. Um, it's odd though that David Rennick would have uh, an obsession with DC Comics from the forties, because if he did, he'd probably have a better grasp on how to structure. <laughs> anything um yeah so then we go to adam who is done a video oh god to make up for the fact that he's been just before just before we get into this because this is needs some time uh i just want to point out that that um uh sharon smith's getting ready to to perform to perform and ev- and <laughs> because it looks like she's in fancy dress, yeah, it made me really sad because it reminded me of the uh, uh, Inside Number Nine episode. Oh, and she, where oh, she and... goes to the fancy dress party, but uh, oh. 
that yeah. episode it's is very all, harrowing and needs I could, yeah I can't watch if you haven't right. watched Inside Number Nine you should it is incredible and if you like Sheridan Smith uh, there is a phenomenal episode um, in which she, yeah even my heart which is pretty cold 12 Days of, of Christine I believe it's called 12 Days of Christine you're quite right um, yeah amazing episode one of my favourite episodes of anything totally ever okay so um, that's a nice little positive thing yeah um, now, to soften the blow of yeah. what we're about to tell you my god right so it's whoever this CGI prankster is yeah. has struck again, and Adam Klaus releases has released an apology video to say I'm being trolled. Yeah. I, I'm actually a really nice guy. Yeah. My views on you know racial equality are yeah. brilliant. And as he's doing this, he's doing that old-fashioned thing where actors would kind of like talk to the camera whilst. It reminded me of Anthony Newley. It's, that's that. why I'm saying it's 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 exactly Anthony Newley in that it's in that exactly video of him Anthony doing, of doing what, what kind of fool am I? Yeah, where he's putting on the makeup but talking to the yeah. audience. That's it's, exactly it's him doing that. Yeah, but this apology video, which is a kind of response to what's been going on, has been doctored again. So the makeup that he's applying on his face has been changed, and you can probably guess. I don't know. I don't know whether you can guess what I'm about to say. The The video's been doctored, so it looks like Adam Klaus is putting on blackface. Yeah, as in... A mi- black and white minstrel, black white minstrel makeup. Yeah. Now, this is obviously, again, not funny. No. Um, but also, it, it hasn't got any CGI in this video. Whereas the... like. The Hitler one did could, look like could, it had yeah. been badly photoshopped. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas this one isn't. It's just Adam, it's just Adam Klaus. Klaus. Yeah. Actually putting actually on putting on blackface, face. which I didn't feel very comfortable about. Not not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. And again, I just I don't know what this storyline's about. I, it, it seems it's it, like whatever he does to try and apologise for being a bit racist. It's just being made out that he's more racist than he is. Like, what a w- wasted conversation. Yeah. Um, so that happens. And again, add, uh, Jonathan Creek kind of smirks a little bit as if it's hilarious. That's that. Then yeah. we go back to Emily, who is going to bed for the night. Yeah. And taking off all her clothes um, to reveal some kind of like snazzy lingerie for the benefit of no one because no one else is there. Um but I'm just thinking, like, going back to the point of why they didn't cast yeah. a, a, an actor who actually looked in their 40s uh, or was in their 40s. Um, cynical of me. Cynical of me. But she's getting ready for bed and she looks at the, uh, the picture on the wall. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, it ha- and it was a picture of the Egyptian of woman the Egyptian from the woman. 1880 mystery. Again, from the flashback. From the so flashback. I don't know why she's. <laughs> I'm not. But also that. weird that she didn't know about it. Yeah. Until like, earlier, <laughs> like earlier on in the week. Yeah. And, and now, now there's has a loads of stuff of, of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, in her, it, on a bedroom wall. Yeah. <laughs> like why was she like why do, who's that picture of in my bedroom wall? Doesn't matter. I'll tell you nearer the crime. I mean the time. I mean the time. Um, so. So you're looking at this picture, yeah, <laughs> and and she looks at it again, and it's suddenly her. It's a picture of her own yeah. face in 1880s outfit. Yeah. Mystery, and then, mystery seven, 
so this is another so this is yeah i had it down as six it's now seven yeah mystery seven um is that the the picture changes and she screams emily screams and uh paul mcgann valiantly uh rushes in and says oh are you all right and he's got his top off um and uh and then they have a little hug mm-hmm. and in walks the publisher yeah. wife of paul mcgann looking very jealous yeah uh not showing her husband, you know, yeah, but yeah, she's yeah. scowling at Emily as if to say, I think you're faking it so yeah. that you can get a hug off my husband. Yeah. Which is a weird way. Like, it's a weird thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. To go, oh, I know how I can flirt with my yeah. my boss. Oh, did you mention the light bulb exploding as well? The, sorry, you're quite yeah. quite right. The light yeah. bulb explodes, so yeah. it's all dark. And yeah. she cuts her feet on the yeah. glass of the light yeah. bulb. Yeah. Um, and just, and he says, oh, well, don't worry. You know, you go to sleep. Sleep it off. Do we count the light bulb exploding as another mystery? No. Okay. I don't think we can. I think it's okay. part of the same... It's the same weird... It's a weird event. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can stretch the seven already. Um, and they're just about to leave. And then publisher wife says, oh, hang on. What's this at the end of your bed? And there's a huge, like, bag with something sticking out of it and another mm. letter. Yeah. Um... And the letter says... Yeah, the letter says... Uh, beware the approach... Beware the approach of ISIS. Beware the approach of ISIS. Yeah, which is... Which is this... In 2020... <laughs> it's a weird means something different yeah. to what it would have been in 2010. Because, um, so, yeah, of course, we are um, sort of pre the, the, the knowledge and coverage of the Islamic State in 2010. So yes. there wouldn't have been that connotation there at this time. Um, so they're all going, oh, I wonder what ISIS is. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I don't know if it is another mystery or not. The letter feels different to the light bulb. The light bulb and the picture. The light bulb one, and the picture. That's seven. One. Yeah. The letter the letter's eight. is eight. The letter's the letter's definitely eight. eight. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. next letter is definitely the eighth mystery. Yeah. Um, so that's that. And she goes to bed. Um, and then um, Joey. Uh, uh, has got Emily because Emily's gone back to Joey and said, "Look, weird stuff's happening. I'm on eight mysteries now. Yeah, yeah, eight point five if you count the light bulb." <laughs> and she said, uh, "And and and Emily explains that she, you know, was going to ask Jonathan about yeah. some of the weird stuff that happening, but he was really angry and rude, which was weird because they were about to have sex in a hotel yeah. room, and Joey actually calls Jonathan Creek out. She says, "Oh, don't worry." It's just his bigoted nature and talks about what a huge ego he has. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, good. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, I thought it was worth noting that yeah. that he, that, that Joey is calling out Jonathan and therefore David Durant's aware that he's an unsufferable creek. I don't know if that makes it better because what, if you know that, why, you get, yeah. he's, he's created that character. <laughs> yeah. So if he is aware of it, he's aware that he's created a, a bigoted character that's a protagonist of a show. So that's... Yeah. It's... That worries me. Maybe even more. It is a bit weird. <laughs> he actually knows that he's aware of it. It is a bit weird. Um, yeah. But this... But I liked this scene because I learnt the name of the publisher wife, Harriet. Harriet, yeah. This is how far we're into the episode Before and how much we've seen her of her. Yeah. And I this is... Now I know her name. Great. Um, but... It's never too oh so they so they kind of agreed to uh, work as a as a duo yeah oh shock horror um, 
to to help Emily solve all these mysterious things because it's getting her in trouble at yeah. work um, and it's not good. So, um, JC and jo- Joey go to the house. Yeah. Green Lantern. Green Lantern's place. And they decide to have a little look at this woodshed where the like hologram image of the Egyptian flashback that only yeah. we've seen. Yeah. Uh, slash of Harriet. Yeah. Uh, took place so they go in there and just as they're going in there we have a really sinister shot of them being followed by like two black trousered legs and a cane and it's like it's played like Jaws music yeah who's this person gonna catch them who is it it's a brand new character yeah Um, I just wrote I don't need the vicar that was my favorite for this bit because I was trying to deal already with eight mysteries happening weird racist stuff about Adam Clark. Like, there's so we're like halfway in and so, so much, much to deal with already. <laughs> I, I was so angry that I now have to deal with another character to care about. Yeah. I was like, no, there's already so much going on. So, um, But fine, the vicar turns old vicar up. comes yeah. and they all have tea. Yeah. Um, and he's allergic to cats, yeah. which is, like, you think it's important and... It's planted as if it's really important. Yeah. And then they talk about it at the reveal as if it's important. important. But just so you know, it isn't. You can forget all about his allergies to cats. Yeah. It's to to do with the positioning of where he is in the garden. But it's not. It's to do with Jonathan realising where he was. So it's nothing to... Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird red herring that actually hinges on the whole thing coming together. Yeah. Um, so whilst JC and Joey are there They weren't being followed by anyone So they have been followed by a fat old vicar yeah. Who goes and has tea And is having a little bit of a flirt With uh, with the housekeeper yeah. um, Played by not Anne Reid um, yeah. Yeah. Played by the neighbour of Victor Meldrew yeah, In uh, One Foot in the Grave Doreen Mantle Doreen it? June Mantle Doreen yeah. Mantle, yeah um, South African born uh, actress um, And very good Um you know, again, absolutely doesn't need to be in this. No, I think like it's just it's important at the end that she's around because she helps David Rennick get out of a hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, it feels like an afterthought that she was there at all. Um, and so whilst they're in the woodshed, uh, Joey knocks something on the while she's on the ladder. Yeah, and the trap door comes trap down. Yeah, and all the logs fall on top of the trap door. Yeah. Meaning that now Joey and JC are stuck in this, in, in, yeah. like, underground woodshed. Yeah. And they're in there for quite a long time. Yeah. Jonathan has a wee and some cat litter. He's talking about how desperate his wee has some wee and some cat litter. Now, um, the way that Jonathan realises that the bags aren't bags of cement, but a cat litter, did that make you think that that was going to be relevant to the reveal of the... Yeah. Yeah. Because he went, bags of cement indeed. Yeah. As and if and he like, got the look. He got yeah. the, the Jonathan Creek. I've worked. But th- that look at that time was because he really needed a wee and worked out how to <laughs> yeah. get one. Yeah. I was like, oh, that is literally it. That's Because the, the cat litter doesn't come back at all. <laughs> worked out how to get a wee. How yeah. to get one. How to get one. <laughs> to get, and get them. Yeah, how to get a wee in. Get a wee in. <laughs> you do. Yeah, that's what you mean. <laughs> I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Why? <laughs> to get a wee. Get a wee. Um. um so they're under there, and whilst they're under there, something very dramatic happens. Yeah. Oh, and Jonathan Jonathan works out the the ISIS letter. 
Oh, yes. Because there's... Uh, Which they, you remembered. Yeah, they have a bit of waffle uh, earlier on with... with uh, um, Paul McGann. Paul McGann. Um, he's just, it's just there for him to do some acting, I think. But Which uh, he does very well. He does do it very well. But yeah, it's, um, and they're talking about Isis being an Egyptian goddess. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the river in Oxford. Yeah, part um, of the River Thames in Oxford is always called the Isis. Um, and, uh, and there was a scaffolding company, consequently, called Isis Scaffolding, which I often think about. Because they were ever, all over Oxfordshire when I was a kid. It's a bit tricky and now, isn't it? I bet they haven't yeah. got as much business now. Yeah. Like Corona beer. Yeah. You know, yeah. lost share prices because of the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah. Although I've, I've been buying Corona during this. Yeah. It's quite nice. Refreshing. Um, and cheap. Um, it is. Um, and uh, so Jonathan suddenly works out, yes, this was the bit I remembered, that the letter, that it's not ISIS, it's 1515. Or three fifteen, which remember was yeah. the same time that uh, um, was it Northcott? Was that his name? Something Northcott? Nor- yeah. Norcott? Norwood? Nor? Nor? No. no uh, yeah, and he was friend yeah. with friends with someone called Galton. Yeah, Francis Galton. Yeah, Francis Galton, who uh, becomes important later. Not, not of uh, Galton and Simpson. Not of Galton uh, and Simpson. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, and so that's that's one mystery. At least. So one mystery is, is solved out of the eight. Um, and and then he re- and he says, well, if I'm right, then I think Harriet Doré is going to die in one minute. And of course... And then, yeah, we pan back. Um, the Reverend uh, and the housekeeper... Having a bit of a flirt about... Yeah. You know, and Paul McGann's out there just yeah. enjoying life. Um, and Making then... lots of kind of old-fashioned 70s jokes about, yeah. like, Whoa! like, careful there, vicar jokes. Yeah. He's the vicar. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's a joke about him that he likes woodwork, and there's a joke about screwing. Yeah, if I had one bench. vice, it would uh, it would be um, screwed screwed on the front of a bench. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And that and that's got me into trouble more than one time. Yeah. Oh yes, that reminds me. I'll Bad come round and polish your pews on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, and then Harriet, the publisher wife, yeah, appears at the window. Uh, out of a window, yeah, uh, top story window, screaming, screaming, get, get away, get, get, get away, um, and then is pushed out of the window, uh, and impaled on uh, that's my foot on a spike, foot on a spike, um, um, and they all rush over, and yeah. uh, and she's um, he, uh, Paul McGann picks her up, yeah, rushes her over to the uh, uh deck chair, yeah, lounger thing. Um, and she's just, as she's dying, she uh, says that it was Emily that did it. Emily runs in from, she's been at the bins. Yeah. And she said it was her, she did it, she pushed me. Um, and in her hand, yeah. she opens up her hand. hand. She's got a bit of Emily's dress that yeah. she tore off during their skirmish. Um, defenestrated, that's what I was trying to think of. Oh, that's what a word great word. For being thrown out of a window. Defenestrated, of course. Defenestrated. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so she's been defenestrated, um, and how, yeah, she gives an eyewitness account of the fact that it was Emily. Emily murdered me. Um, yeah, got the evidence uh, in her hand, and then she dies. I'd also like to point out the vicar, completely unfazed by all of this. Oh, well, Com- like like no, bit, hasn't he? no, no reaction. Seen a few murders in his time. No reaction. Which to the point of Paul McGann's like, oh my god, can call an ambulance? He goes, yeah, of course. Like it's so downplayed. It's like what? Really and weird. Walk, like no sense of urgency in his portrayal at 
at all. Like, he does not care. Like, the actor doesn't care. It confuses me that it's not Richard Griffiths. That confuses me <laughs> yeah. quite a lot of it as well. Because um, it's got his voice and his size. Um, yeah. But it's um, not him. So, um, uh, Emily... Runs off. Run, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, at that point, I've just written, oh, good, another mystery. But there's also a passing of time thing. So he doesn't get accused of murder and then they call an ambulance and then Emily runs off. Yeah. What happens is everyone waits around, presumably for long enough for it to start to get dark. Because it's 3.15, so now maybe it's what? Uh, Springtime is 5pm. I don't know, a couple of hours have passed. Yeah. And the police and the ambulance finally arrive. I'm like, why why is it so much later? Yeah. Why is it taking two hours (laughs) For the village police force to arrive. They've all been in Cornwall. Why did we need a... Yeah, of course they Trying have. to get Alan Rokesmith out of that. <laughs> hey, that would need a lot of people. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I don't know why there was a kind of passing of time light issue there. I think that's just when they... they that's when they broke for tea. And then yeah. they came back. <laughs> yeah. And they went, oh, it's darker. Oh, I will just carry on. <laughs> right. Yeah, fine. Um, and so what do you do? You wait around for two hours uh, or however long it's been. And then when the police start to ask you about what happened because yeah. there's been a murder and you've been accused of it best thing to do is run away run away yeah run away into an old disused part of the house well which seems to be like a different house but adjoining yeah but it's confusing because it looks like it's this part of the same house the way yeah. it's shot yeah but later on they say the owners of that house are in new zealand right so it's so paul mcgann and harriet that. don't own this house. okay i missed that i th- right well, at this point, I didn't yeah. know that. I know I know that now because of something that's said right. way later on. There's an odd thing about this house. Everything's covered up with dust sheets. Yeah. But absolutely everything in the house is in the shape of a human body standing up. <laughs> yeah. So why, is they, why does everyone look like a person <laughs> under these sheets? What are those things? I assume they were coats of armour. And, I thought, <laughs> and then they were like, why would there be like eight or nine standing coats of armour? Yeah. Suits, suits of armor. That's what I mean. Coats yeah. of armor is not that, not what I mean. I mean suits of armor. Quite <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Um. So they kind of like follow her, and she's kind of running from the police who check the bins because that's where people might yeah. hide. She runs into a bathroom. The yeah. bathroom. Uh. Uh. She hears this, running water. Yeah. In this uh, empty house, she runs in. There's there's blood. Uh, the sink full of blood. Sink full of blood. Um. Uh, and then it's like it's shot and edited now like it's a horror movie I, I wrote it's like very psycho yeah. moment and like the, there are all these strings that feel very Herman like yeah. Hitchcock-esque and they do they actually do a jump scare edit where she pulls back the shower curtain yeah. and there's nothing behind there yeah. I was like okay just, just change the feel of Jonathan Creek for this one specific little bit um, uh, but uh, yeah there's, there's no one behind the shower curtain uh, and then she walks back and there's a hand reaches out and it's a police officer. Yeah. And then there's a really, really bad cut where he see the police officer. He literally goes, opens his mouth to talk, and it cuts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, oh my no. god! What? Maybe, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Whoever edited it. And that officer could have had that line. Yeah. That could have yeah. changed his career. Yeah. <laughs> really that weird, away. Really weird cut. Um. So then, she's obviously presumably arrested because the next scene I have is Jonathan and Joey visiting Emily in jail. She's a, she's in yeah. uh, the police station. Yeah. Um, and Jonathan she's... and Emily are holding hands, which I found odd. Yeah. Because what's their relationship now after 
Jonathan had a go at her for a bit because he decided that she'd lied, coerced him to bed yeah. to get his secrets. He invented a little story in his head about yeah. how good he was and how evil she was, chewed her out while she stood there in her bra and pants. Yeah. And then reluctantly went to help Joey with her mystery. Yeah. And now they're holding hands over a police table. Yeah, it's, yeah. Whilst it's... policemen stand around. Very odd. But it, it it's a detail that might help explain his relationship to the case later on. Like the conversation him and Joey have in the bar at the end. Yeah. I think is is... Is it's part be- of the same storyline as the hand holding, yeah, but, but but none neither, of the rest of the episode. Yeah, but neither yeah. of those things lead back to anything else. No, so it's like no, they're standalone moments. They might be linked. We're not yeah, sure. yeah, they help each other, but both of those both of those things don't, don't help anything don't else. Don't help anything else, or don't make Jonathan and Emily's relationship any more plausible. Just because no. twice they've meant they've once they've showed them being close, and then a second time they've had a really long conversation about how close Jonathan is to the case and how much he believes in this person. So, like, yeah, that's linked to the holding of the hand. The holding of the hand is linked to, to nothing. So, yeah. Really bizarre. Um, but whilst they're holding hands, uh, Jonathan says, I think I've worked out about the vanishing house. Yeah. And he explains the vanishing house. Um, I remember this bit. I actually remembered this. I remember oh, from the watching fact, it the yeah, first time. I did remember this bit. So <clears throat> what they think happened, what Jonathan says happened was they were driving along, they saw the house, mm-hmm. but actually, what was the house? It was a set. It was a they were, set They were facade. filming filming uh, some horror long forgotten now, of course. Yeah. Why? Like, why? Why do you want... Like, you're making this up, so you don't know the details of whether it was a horror... Could it be, could it be a, a really famous horror film? Yeah. Well, that's a weird detail to add in. It is. When you're making all of this up anyway. Yeah. But fine. Uh, 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 um, yeah. Uh, that's an important point. So, so there's there's a film uh, like s- side of a house uh, that's been put up for day- three days before filming. Yeah, that's Again. a weird detail. Again. That's very unlikely. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, but thing is, in all fairness, no one who makes the TV show Jonathan Creek has ever worked in television before. No, or knows how filming works. No. So three days before, they set up one facade of the house about the size of two flats. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and. There's a security guard who was sitting behind it on his own, reading a book and having a cup of tea. And he was there to, to as a watchman to make sure no one stole the film set of a house. And there's nothing else around. It's, Just him. It's so weird. It's so weird how this would ever happen. happen. That one bit of a set, because surely there's more of that set, of right? Course, yeah. That one front bit of that one house. Yeah. He's, the set has arrived three days early with a security guard just for that one bit of set. And he doesn't have a car nearby. No, no, no nothing. Like, it's just him in a security it's guard outfit. So weird. And, um,. <laughs> He's there with his and and uh, anyway, it was a windy day. Remember, what David told you at the beginning it was windy. The hair was blowing. I mean, it was also windy and the hair was blowing because they were in a convertible car going on at fifty miles. But it was important. Yeah. It was a windy day, and the wind blew over the house set, and he tried to hold it up rather <laughs> foolishly. Yeah. But again, he's never worked in film or TV before. Yeah. And it flattens him. Yeah. And so when Emily. Or the other uh, younger actress, kind of the same age actress, but a different person, yeah, yeah. gets out of the car to go and investigate. When he's gra- 
slithering the person around. slithering around <laughs> silently, unable yeah. to speak, <laughs> grabbing her leg. He's not come out of the ground no, or he... come out of the swamp, which is what we saw before. Actually, he's come out of the grass after being pushed into the grass by the house by the falling house over. falling onto him. Now, do you think this happened? No, I don't think it happened. And I also don't think that if it did happen, the way that we see it, it would have done the damage it's meant to do to him because yeah. it actually shows that, like, the steel supports of, the, like, stop the house from actually... Like, yeah. there's a gap. Yeah. Because there has to be in real life for it for them to not harm the actor that has to do that. Yeah. But that also means that within the show, we see that there's the gap that has to be there to not hurt the actor. Yeah. So therefore, I want to gang on. No, he, he's fine. He's fine. But he's also got the facial expression of a Geiger. <laughs> yeah. He's he little Geiger's brother. He is Geiger's brother. I don't know why. I don't I don't know. I just don't I don't know what world this would happen. This scenario. But also the important thing is it didn't happen in any any other place other than Jonathan Creek's imagination. Yeah. So he's like, well don't worry, I can't clear you of the murder of your boss. Yeah. Or your boss's wife, Harriet. But I do think I know what happened to you in eighteen eighty eight. What happened? Well, I just imagined a different set of circumstances to the one you told me, and I think that fits better for your narrative. <laughs> okay, then. Great. Well, unfortunately, I'm still going to jail for life. Yeah, I know. Bye. See you later. Yeah. Like, that's what that scene is. Well, well, that tr- well, well, no, not quite, because interestingly, she does, she dismisses it. Because, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah, yeah. Uh, which makes sense as to why later on, because she doesn't want people thinking too much about that that day. Yeah. Which, again, I think adds to the fact that she did she does remember whatever mm, happened. I see um, I see what you're doing yeah um because yeah Joey's like really excited and is like this is great and she went yeah well you know I suppose we'll, we'll never know we'll never know what happened that day. yeah she did say what happened. so and it's and and then Joey's like no but and then it's like and then backs off like so she's obviously aware that she doesn't want to talk about that's interesting. that day and so yeah there's there's an interesting thing about her not not wanting to talk about Jonathan's real, maybe because she's well aware that he's made it all up in his mind. I was far too busy thinking about that want to, to, to engage notice. a madman too much longer. <laughs> yeah, um, I, that's, that, I read it as that, but I, I think you're right. I think you. Oh, I think your observation is much more interesting than mine. And um, lucky for you guys, if you love nonsense things that only ever exist in Jonathan Creek's mind, yeah, we go to uh, Jonathan being called on the stand of this trial. Well, or is this? We... Oh no, there's someone else gets called first, don't they? Is it? Is it straight to the trial now? I believe so. Do we? Don't we have the funeral first? Sorry, you're absolutely right. So I think, right. yeah, I think right. what we happens is funeral. We have the funeral of of Harriet first. So I think it's a quick funeral. Yeah, because I think she's only just been arrested, yeah. and in that scene, it's probably the same day. Yeah, and then and then we cut to the funeral, which. Presumably about a week later. Yeah. Right? Um, and they've gone to the funeral, which I think is an odd thing to do. I thought that. I don't know why they're there. Um, but they do this a lot in Jonathan. Like, I yeah. think they go to find out more clues. But yeah. I wouldn't want the detectives investigating the murder of my family member at the funeral questioning everybody or with their notepads or like... Especially, especially if you are... Especially if, Henry if we know what know we know what we now. Know. Yeah, yeah very true yeah so i don't know why they were invited but they go along to this little church and they have a chat with um 
the old housekeeper. That's um, a, no, sorry. That's a really good point. Who were, who were they? Who are they in contact with now? Because it can't unless Henry's playing along in some way. What once Emily's in jail, surely, yeah, they wouldn't have any contact with. So what? Yeah, who's invited them to that funeral? I don't know. I, I'm assuming. I'm assuming they've just gone. Do you mind if we tag along? But yeah, um, the housekeeper says something about the she, housekeeper she says no. No one would have known her. It's a really good turnout, and I'm going. Well, I'm looking at a yeah. very busy, bustling church where there are yeah. I don't know a hundred people or whatever, and we see inside it's a full congregation, and outside yeah. it's a lot. Really good turnout, considering no one really knew her. I mean, she was hardly famous outside of the publishing world. Most people in the village wouldn't know her from a bar of soap. Right, well, why... Yeah. If if you want to ham home, hammer home this idea that no one in the village really knew her, then why why are there so many people? <laughs> You're right. It's a good point. Why are there so many people there? I don't know why you've written into the script that there have to be all these extras. Yeah, because... It could, you could equally give it surely that, it would be better if no one knew her and no one turned up. You could equally give that information by Jonathan and Joey saying, oh, it's not a shame, no, not many people here. Oh, yeah, well, no one outside the village would have known her for a bar of soap. You still get that information across because the important thing is that no one knew her. There's no, there's no need yeah. or importance of having people there. Uh, I also just love the expression, uh, wouldn't know her from a bar of soap. Oh, I've never heard it before. No, I've never, because it's never existed before or after that. Well, scene. I'm adding that now. I mean, yeah. for the last, you know, what is it, week or two weeks? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks, David and I have been saying around the house on a regular basis, don't go wandering off like Jim Hawkins. Oh, yeah. Um, and I hope you have too. Yeah. And if uh, not, home. start. Uh, but now I'm going to start also uh, saying, well, I wouldn't, wouldn't know her for a, from a bar of soap. From a bar of soap. So that happens, um, but yeah. they also find out that Harriet was pregnant. Yes. Because the coroner's report, and she says, oh, haven't you heard? The coroner's report's been out for three days. I'm like, has it? Yeah. So you've got a coroner's report, but no court case or murder yeah. trial yet, but you buried her. So it's been yeah. a, but a, probably about a week and a coroner's report, definitely like a week and um, a bit. Can I just ask a question? Uh, yeah, if you dare. A coroner's, um, an autopsy. Yeah, would have they test DNA, right? If, if it's a murder, which that was, yeah. absolutely they would have done. Okay, good. Just I just wanted to check. That. Oh, they, they they would have tested dental records, yeah. DNA. Yeah. The only reason a coroner is called in yeah. is. For a death under suspicious circumstances. Yeah. That's why it's called a coroner's report is always needed. It's like an inquest. Yeah. Um, so, like, you wouldn't have a coroner's report on, like, when my granddad died. Because yeah. they just went, oh, he's an old, I, you know, everyone was there when he died. You yeah. know what happened. The science was there. You know. it. But then again, you'd always be tested and, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very weird knowing what we know now. So I see where you're going. So we'll bench it. Um, but they find out that, yeah, Harriet was pregnant, um, which makes it a double murder yeah. by someone who we don't know who is. Um, so they think, right, well, let's go and talk to the vicar because he was an eyewitness. He was yeah. there while we were locked in the woodshed. And they go and they find him in his workshop. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he did say he was into his woodwork, and he's stuck inside his own coffin. He's stuck inside his own coffin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's him waddling about with a coffin on his head. Yeah. He talks about being allergic to cats again. Yeah. Um. What? What? Sorry. What? What? What else is the purpose of this scene? So he says, um, "Oh, by the way, Paul McGann, uh, Hugo oh. came to uh, give me a confession. Um, That's right. And yeah, told me some pretty, you know, gruesome stuff. And they're like, oh, well, what did he tell you? Mm. Thinking like maybe he was in on it. And he goes, oh, I don't know. I fell asleep. Because <laughs> really, he yeah. says, yeah, all the drugs you have to be on at this age. I'm so unwell. Um, yeah, I fell asleep, which is dreadful." Um, and they say okay, and they mention the blowpipe. Yeah, because... so yeah, they de- and he debunks a lot of stuff as well, yeah. doesn't he? Because there's there's an ins- they find a book written by Salima when they're down in the uh, yeah. when when they're trapped under in, under that trap. Door. Salima being the Egyptian 1880s yeah. mystic, and uh, it's dedicated to uh, HCN, yeah. and they discover that uh, the wife of Mister North Harriet's middle name was. Catherine. Well, her name's not her. Her name's something else, isn't it? The wife of... The wife of Paul McGann? No, no the wife oh, of... Oh, sorry. The North wife Con- of... Yes, yeah. yes, you're right. But yeah. Henrietta, maybe? So yeah. Something. yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, this, yeah, Catherine. Um, but it's Catherine with a K, so... Yeah. Um, and, yeah, they, they think there's something to do with a blowpipe, and that, yeah. that's how... And he they, says they, that's not a blowpipe. Mm-hmm. It's something else, but it's yeah. not... It's not an instrument, and it's not a it's not a blowpipe. Yeah. He knows it's something different. Yeah. Um, and then we go. So they yeah. So they have this kind of thing, and then we have what I refer to as a totally unnecessary courtroom scene <laughs> where we learn nothing, and neither do any of the characters in question. Yeah. So all the characters that we've met before and saw were witnesses come up and give their eyewitness account of yeah. what happened. Yeah. To. So it's for the benefit of the lawyers and the judge. <laughs> yeah. But not for us and not, not for, for anyone else learning. Yeah. So I don't know why it needed to happen. No. And I think this is just a point where he was, Rennick was just going, right. <laughs> I mean, quite, it have got a lot of mysteries going on. Let's just summarize what they all know. Yeah. And then did that. But instead of telling his wife that or whoever he lives with or someone, a friend or the editor. Yeah. <laughs> right there's an editor um he, he wrote it in scene form and yeah. put it in the episode oh there's also a bit where jonathan and joey sneak into the house yep so this happens after next, isn't it yep. yeah um and they sneak into the house of the people that were in new zealand um where all the <laughs> suits of armor <laughs> covered in covered in sheets sheets um uh to try and work out about this bathroom because she talks about finding this bathroom and the blood being in the sink and everything um and they're trying to work out how someone could have snuck out of that bathroom which they do um, quite easily which they do um and uh then they hear paul mcgann yeah come in um so jonathan hides behind a sheet sheridan yeah. smith hides inside a a, a vase in, yeah inside a, a massive urn i think yeah. is what i wrote like an, yeah oh, it, but it the thing is, the way it's shot, it doesn't look like it's that big. It yeah. looks like it's about the size of a flower pot yeah. with a lid on it. Yeah. And there's this weird kind of like ADR of her going, oh, it's like Rob Brydon's man in a box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, get, get me out. Get me out, Jonathan. I'm inside this yeah. um, A really weird treatment on it. And he ignores it all. Yeah. And then eventually says, oh, I'll try and 
help you get out. And she goes, careful, careful, you'll dislocate my arm. Yeah. And he ignores all that chat for careful and essentially throws her down the stairs. Yeah, sadly, um, uh, Sheridan Smith's character, Joey, passes away. Um, <laughs> And that's it. And she, no, she's died. She's dead, isn't she? She's joined another Jonathan Creek casualty along with Catherine Quentin yeah. after the dump shoot. Yeah. Uh, so now... You might remember. Yeah. So now Maddie McGellan and Joey Ross uh, are both ghosts. R.A.P. Yeah. So from from now on... Sure Every time you see Joey, she's a ghost. Yeah. And only exists in Jonathan's head. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like Randall, Randall and Hopkirk... Uh, deceased. Deceased, yeah. Because she went down to massive flights of stairs yeah. in a in a porcelain vase that then smashed yeah. when it hit the wall. That she uh, she didn't survive that. Didn't survive it. No way. Um obviously she's fine. Um but they know that there's something a bit shady about Paul McGann playing Hugo because why is he going into this abandoned house? Yeah. I mean again at this point I still think it's part of the ha- the same house that is a dis like you did. Yeah. So I'm going, why are they suspicious about him going into his own <clears throat> yeah. house? Yeah. But but obviously, yeah. Obviously, different house. we know that, it, yeah, we've missed the fact that um, it's, it's a next door neighbour's house. Jonathan Creek finds the blowpipe, which was missing, according to the vicar. Yeah. And it finds that hidden in the old part of the house. In the old part of the house, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, I also wrote, I've just looked at my notes, Sheridan Smith dies rolling down the stairs <laughs> in a massive urn. <laughs> um, and then we get uh, we cut back to the courtroom. Right. Why Why? Why is this happening? I mean... How, 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 like... And also it's referred to later that he was their star witness. Yeah. Jonathan Creek is on the stand at the murder trial of Emily and proceeds to give a testimony that's, that's just, again, completely his invented ramblings. <laughs> yeah, it's... A, so I'm it's... going... What? It's like 50% of the reveal of the episode yeah. thus far. Yeah. But again, completely made up by him. And, yeah. the, and, and the lawyer quite rightly calls him out on it. But we should explain what he says. Yeah. So, HNC. Yeah. The, the dedication in Salima's book is not for a person. Yeah. It's for uh, hy- hy- hydrogen cyanide. Hydrogen cyanide. Yeah. Um... And it's... Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's put... He says... So this is the 18... For some reason, his whole testimony is on some, is on the story from 1880. Yeah. Which actually, other than for this episode, has no relevance to the case. That's a very good point. So I don't know why he's talking about it. As if it has any importance or any evidence as to why she's innocent. But yeah. he decides to reveal... A completely unconnected, other than the geographic location, case. Um, so, so he says that that the cyanide was hidden. Yeah. In the doctor's pocket watch, the behind a glass. Uh, um. Uh. You know the 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 clock face is obviously has a glass to protect it. Yeah, like any pocket watch would, and it's hidden behind there. And the glass is a specific kind of glass that will break when a specific frequency is heard. Yeah, the specific frequency is her, her screaming. Is says she, and he says obviously that would require some pretty specific set of skills. Like yeah, in order to 
by ear scream at a frequency that, that would break, break glass off. from 150 yards away. Yeah, it's it's utterly nonsense. preposterous. And then there's some absolutely dreadful CGI of the cyanide pink mist coming out of it. Coming out, and it's it's terrible. It it is really bad. Um, and he breathes it in, and then dies instantly. I've li- I've literally my only note for it. And I remember, and, and there's actually no way of remembering this is, but it is about this because I just wrote absolutely not exclamation mark. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I've just done some um, googling. You know, hydrogen cyanide uh, is commonly known as HCN and uh, was used in a lot of murders and poisonings that took place in the kind of mid 1800s onwards. Yeah. It became quite a popular weapon. Right. Um, technically, it's a, it's a chemical weapon, mm-hmm. as, a, as listed as a chemical weapon. Um, but I also think it's quite a good one because it was, it was untraceable mm-hmm. at that time. No one was able to trace it. But I think it is actually traceable now. Right. But, I'm not, but I know in the Second World War, they gave it to POWs and things like that. Yeah. Um, because it was also untraceable. But... I'm not sure if that's still true. Right. You had like uh, MI5 stories of it being inside your back tooth. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you crack the back tooth open, you'd uh, be able to kill yourself so you wouldn't give away state secrets. Yeah. Don't know if that's true or not. If you're a MI5 agent, get in touch. Let us know. I mean, or don't, because that might implicate us in some kind of international incident. Well, you know, it's 2020, isn't it? Let's just pile it on. That's I say, let's just see, roll with the punches. Wouldn't be my first time wanted by Interpol. Quite, yeah, very true. Uh, quite possibly. Um, quite, quite, uh, quite. Sorry, quite rightly, uh, the lawyer, yeah, uh, the prosecution, uh, lawyer for the prosecution, stands up and says, "Sorry, Jonathan," um, and he's let him ramble on for a long, yeah. ramble on for a long time without objection to any of this, yeah. and says, "What's this got to do with anything? <laughs> You've just made all this up." Uh, and it tells us nothing about how this woman was pushed mysteriously yeah. out the window by some weird accomplice. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, because he goes, um, uh, well, you know, uh, and he's like really not yeah. Jonathan, like, no. like he's really nervous, like, well, you know, it could be an accomplice, and he's really unsure of. Yeah, him. and I was like, okay, okay, you've completely managed to r- rumble Jonathan Creek. Yeah, the first time in decades. And so they cut to the verdict, and he says, uh, "Jury, uh, how do you give your How do you find the defendant?" And they quite rightly say guilty. Guilty. Yeah. I say quite rightly. Yeah. Because at this point, I, as an audience member, have got no reason to believe that Emily didn't do the murder. This, this is this is what I've written. If you forget the premise of Jonathan Creek, there's no reason to believe she didn't do it. Like, right, like if exactly. like in within their world, like we know. That there's something more to it because that's how Jonathan Creek works as a TV series. But within their world, there's absolutely no reason to believe she didn't do it because no. all we have is the testimony of is the testimony of her, the Harriet, who yeah, yeah, and uh, Emily going, but I didn't do it. Yeah, I was in there five minutes, uh, yeah. five seconds before it happened. Yeah, but but I still didn't do it. You go, well, I think you, I think you did. Yeah, I think you probably did. Um, so. At this point, uh, they Jonathan and Joey go off to the pub, and yeah. it's like a pub in London. It's a West End of London pub. Yeah. Um, um, and Joey... the newspaper's been released already. Yeah. Um, really quick turnaround. It's the Evening Standard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, 
And she reads out the newspaper report, which just slags off Jonathan Creek something rotten. Yeah. And... I mean, I, I turned to Callum and I said, did we write this? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it, yeah, it's basically it, it's, everything we've ever said about Jonathan. Just perfect. Um, so it, feel like, it feels like Rennick's kind of understanding his audience now. Yeah. Um, on his second special. <laughs> um... Is this 12 years after it started? 99, 2009, 2010. Mm. 11 years since the start of Jonathan Creek. I thought it started in 97. Gosh. So yeah. 12, 13 years. Yeah. Gosh. I can't believe. I can't believe that. Yeah. I can't believe that this episode was the 13th year that this writer had lived with this character. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe. I, I can't. I'm not like it's beyond belief. I'm not. I cannot believe it. I refuse to believe it. Um... So she says, look, I know what it's like to believe in someone so much, like, like you believe in Emily, that yeah, even though all the facts point to yeah. the fact that she probably did it. And he says, I know. And she says, I know you know, but it doesn't help, does it? And he went, not a, not a bit. She goes, right, all right, which draw, drawing board are we going back to? And I'm, I'm yeah. glad you said that because there are eight drawing boards. There are eight episodes. And you've only solved one of them. Yeah. And that's just conjecture. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we start the episode again, basically. <laughs> Here we are about 20 minutes before the end yeah. and they go, oh, we know nothing. Yeah. Great. Really glad about all that. I'm glad we invested all this time. Yeah. So they take a wander back to the house, back yeah. to Paul McGann's house. It's at night. Um, they're in the garden and then Jonathan finds a spoon underneath yeah. a table uh, and talks about how uh, Paul McGann mentioned he dropped his his drink yeah um uh his, his, tea his coffee his tea. Tea cup. uh and uh so that leads him to realize which table they were yeah sat at because they all assumed it was the other table in the garden yeah. and it can't have been that one because of the cat or because the cat would have been over there the cat would have been... where with the birds yeah. how does jonathan know where the birds were oh, on I that particular oh, minute know. at that d- particular day i don't because remember, he was never in the garden. Yeah, they he were was in the woodshed. Up in the woodshed, yeah. So I don't know how he knew where the birds would be, which would tell him where the cat might be. Yeah. Which would tell him why the vicar was sitting away from the cat. Yeah. But also, he's found out where they were sitting in the garden for the first time. We've known the whole time because we saw the episode. We saw it happen. Yeah. In real time, and I still don't understand what he he doesn't know anything. Yeah. More than we do. But it's made him realise something about the view of the window and what would have been obscured. Yeah. And and what, what he's saying is that there was a tiny wall that may have come into play at some point. Yeah. If I, if my plan works. Yeah. So as an audience member, I'm going, okay, fine. But I'm very much, I feel like very much like Joey at this yeah. point. I'm going, I'm shut out of it. And also, it doesn't really change mm-hmm. that much. No. At all. No. But this is the big moment where everything yeah. falls into place for him because he yeah. finds the spoon. Yeah. But I don't I don't really think it matters, is my point. No, I don't think it does. Um, so he, uh, Paul McGann, then comes out of the house and uh, yep. gets to his car. And you see him put a briefcase in the boot of the car. And he opens the briefcase and there's a syringe yep. filled with some sort of liquid in it. Um, and he drives off. They follow him. He is off to the tree that yep. we remember from ages ago. The tree of the title of the episode. The Judas tree. The Judas tree. Um, uh, and 
Um, they he drives. Him. Yeah. He drives from... It's <laughs> so near. From the drive. Yeah. About, I don't know, 75, 50, 75 yards down. Yeah. Yeah. Down yeah. To an... Didn't need to drive at all. But he... he but, and the syringe is in a briefcase. <laughs> yeah. I which he yeah. puts in the boot. Yeah. And then opens. Yeah. Checks that the syringe is still there. <laughs> yeah. That he must have put in just a minute ago. And then drives yeah. about another 30 seconds. Yeah. I'm like, what? Why? What's the need for any yeah. of this? Yeah. Um, so they follow him to the tree. Yeah. Um, uh, and they're spying on him. Yeah. Um, and uh, suddenly you see that there's someone spying on them. Yeah. With, with a the torch. torchlight. And they turn around and it's Harriet. She's still alive. Yeah. Okay. Um, at which point I'm just going, what? Oh, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. And I suppose I'm trying to think. I can't remember having... I blocked this episode from my mind, much like Emily might have blocked her past through trauma. I, But I can't... Maybe, maybe... If you're watching this for the first time, let us know what you think. Was... Were you at this point going, oh my God, Harriet's alive! Like a Brian Blessed moment. Mm. Like, Flash Gordon, where... Gordon's alive. Like, we, is that a good reveal moment? Because all I felt at that time was, well, that doesn't make sense based on the information we have available to us. Yeah, it stressed me out. It, it's very really stressful. It just, it, and I was like, oh, not some, not something else, not another thing. This is now the ninth I, mystery. I got, yeah, I, I got quite agitated by it. Um, uh, but it's okay because uh, Paul McGann's going to explain everything. So. Basically, oh, right. This is a big old reveal. It is a big old reveal. So, Paul McGann had a brother with with additional needs, and uh, he was driving along. He was one day. driving along one day in 1988 in a red convertible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the two girls, Emily and her friend, yeah. are by the side of the road. Emily is. Uh, now this is confusing because it. It, yeah, she's she's grabbing her ankle. Yeah, but this is happening before she's been grabbed on that. Yes, so it's correct. that's a coincidence. Yeah, that so again, you're just actively putting barriers in front of you when you're writing. That's yeah, fine. Um, uh, and and it, it's a ruse. She's pretending her ankle's broken so that they can steal the car. So her friend can grab the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, off uh, uh, Paul McGann's brother with uh, additional needs and. He, um, uh, like, there's a struggle. There's a struggle because he has the keys in his pocket. Yeah, she gets the key. Emily gets the keys out of his pocket. She's kind of holding them up above him. He can't reach them. Um, And he's almost like treating it almost like a game. Like a game. He's quite trusting of them. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, Emily's friend comes up from behind him and smashes his head in with a rock. About seven times. Yeah, it's horrific. Brutal. Yeah. Horrific murder. Yeah. And then they take his body, shove him under a load of leaves and hay yeah. and bury him in stuff. Yeah. Uh, and but, then leave. Yeah. But also he's a, he's alive to he's tell the tale. Alive. He's alive to tell us all the details is what Paul McGann said. So that means he's... He, he lived, lived long enough. He lived long enough. To tell the details. To paint us a picture. To paint us a picture. So, so what... How... Who found him? At some how point was he, he was found. At some point he was... So he lived long enough to be found... For, because remember he's he's got additional needs, so he couldn't yeah. have, um, you know, uh, uh, 
quickly articulated who his next of kin were. Yeah. So that detective worked to have found them for him to then be able to recount all of that. Um, is his health meant to be deteriorating whilst this is going on? It's 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 nonsense, isn't it? It's nonsense, yeah, especially it because we saw a cave. His uh, he, he didn't he didn't survive that. Yeah. So again, all of this is just made up in Paul McGann's own head. <laughs> um, so yeah. so, uh, but he gives them all the information all and the information. enough to actually catch them. Yeah, and Emily and her friend yeah. get hauled up into court for the murder. Of yeah. the man who could tell the, everything that happened and then died. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's important because that detail is mirrored, obviously, yeah. in what in the yeah. modern day yeah. crime. Um, but because they were impressionable young women yeah. and he was a uh, considered at that time um, like mentally deficient, mm. I think is the word he uses... Um, the jury just let them go. Or, the, sorry, the judge decides to let them off. Yeah. Um, why? Uh, well, because, because in 1988, if you'd bashed in yeah. the head of an addition, after robbing a car of a man... Well, I think, I think what he... I think what he is saying, which in its own way is, is problematic, is that they claimed... That they were self-defense. That, yeah, that, yeah, that he was right. assaulting them, <clears throat> and they believed the girls over him. Yeah, which is a very problematic thing for Dave. I don't know what David Rennick's trying to say there, and I don't want to think about it too much because th- there's <sighs> victim blaming issues going on there yeah. with with yeah. what David Rennick's trying to say about that. That is, uh, which is really that, oh, I, yeah, I know exactly where you're going there with with the idea that. Actually, it would be far more likely for a victim to have bashed the head in of the male perpetrator rather than actually that story be true. Yeah. But in the world of the episode, that's what happened. Um, they were not attacked. They murdered in cold blood a, uh, yeah, uh, a indefensible young man, robbed his car, then got groped by a man in the grass and remained confused about it forevermore. Yes. Um, um, and Paul McGann just tells Jonathan and Joey all of this, yeah, and says that one of those girls was Emily, and I'd forgotten about it all until, and I thought they were going to say until Emily turned up at the house looking yeah. for a job, yeah, but they don't mention that at all. No, they say until someone must have convinced you that you needed to get retribution, yeah, and that was you, Harry, it wasn't it, yeah, and I go yeah, so they don't explain at all how. No. The person who was let off the murder, this murder, ended up working yeah. at the house of the brother of the person they murdered. Yeah. What? Why don't you explain that? Well, maybe it I was think, explained by Mister. Yeah, I think they do talk about how that how that was orchestrated quite briefly. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, that's the the least of our worries about a lot of this. Um, it was also a weird speech. Where I, again, I, I think he's trying to be good, David Rennick, in terms yeah. of being like we demonize people with mental health. Uh, like neurodiversity, yeah. yeah, and he says, oh, "Today we call these people special, don't we?" Um, but in those days, they were considered, you know, deviant yeah. and demonized. And you just went, "Do we?" <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think even in 2010, I don't think it was appropriate to 
cool people who are who are neurodiverse. Um, special, special needs or additional needs? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even special needs now is, is now it's pretty is, outdated. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Um, additional needs or or uh, new, uh, neurodiverse would be the appropriate um, ways. Of, yeah. Uh, talking about that. Um, so, and in 2010, it would have been broadly sub- so. Yeah, and anyway, yeah. It, it we it, special is not okay. Um, but uh, anyway. We then have to obviously learn about how the main mystery of the episode was done. Yeah. So um, we know that Paul uh, McGann and Harriet yeah. uh, set about setting up Emily yeah. for this death. So and yeah. Harriet's alive. So we we it's in, you know suggested that she faked her own death with yeah. the help of her husband yeah. in order to frame Emily. We know that. Yeah. But we don't know how. Yeah. So they, so of course, there is Emily's friend, the woman who actually killed the other person, his, his yep. brother. Um, uh, and uh, for her punishment, they decide that she has to die. So they, they kidnap her out her. of the street with chloroform. Yeah, yeah. They kidnap, they drug her, kidnap her, put her in that um, woodshed. Yeah. Uh, then they dress her up as Harriet. Yeah. And. Uh, push her out the window she's impaled on the spikes yeah um then there's a they make a switch and there's a weird bit where for some reason the best way of doing it is for harriet to like dangle off the side of a fence so he can pick her up quick i was like that i don't think that's an important thing of how this works but fine I don't know. I think it was just an, it was something that made it look more slick in yeah. the in the the yeah. photographic retelling of it. Yeah. Um uh and so yeah, so there's a swap that happens. Um yeah. uh for her to say her last words and then they switch the bodies b- back. Now after after and the police and the police turn up uh, having never later. met Harriet. Yeah. Yeah. And say oh well, you know eyewitness account they identified the body there and then on the scene it's obviously an open and shut case yeah now i've got some questions yeah um there are lots here yeah number one we know a fair amount of time passed after the ambulance uh, before the ambulance and the police got here yeah so are you saying that the vicar nor the housekeeper both knew harriet didn't look at that body once it had been replaced again and gone that's not harriet well it's like last week it's it's, it's easy. No one looked. It, like, not like last week. It was a crime traveller. Yeah. It was the same thing with crime traveller. No, why is no one looking at dead bodies? Like, yeah. Why is no one doing this? any of this officiating? So that's a problem. Um, a bigger problem is the autopsy. Um, yeah. Because do you know why? They would have had all of her records for when she was arrested the first time. Correct. So She's already in they, the system. Yeah. They would have had all of the records oh, of that and they would course. have they would yeah, which would have shown up on the autopsy. So they'd have gone, This is a woman that was arrested for the murder of the brother of the the brother in law of the person that she they're saying she is. Yeah. Like Now they also point out the fact that do you remember when we were at the funeral? Yeah. Uh old lady says, Oh, haven't you heard she was pregnant? Yeah. Now the the coroner's report has been out for three days, yeah. and the whole village knows that Harriet was pregnant. Yeah. Or they think it was Harriet. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was this lady. Yeah. So this lady, who was once trialed for murder and got let off, yeah. has now 
uh, X amount of years later, it's modern day 2010, isn't it? So yeah, yeah 22 years later, has uh, has moved on with her life and and is pregnant. Well, I, and and then is kidnapped. Yeah. So presumably, there's <laughs> at some point quite a few people that are close to this woman. <laughs> there's a missing woman who's pregnant. And no one's looking for her. Yeah. And she's dead and buried. And there's a funeral. Yeah. And no one is aware. Yeah. How how drunk was this coroner? Yeah. To not worry about any of that. Yeah. And also, as you said, do they check DNA? You're quite right because it would have it w- it would definitely have been in yeah. would have come up as police records. Yeah. So utterly bizarre. Yeah. Utter- I can't believe this was set in 2010. Yeah. It's like. Oh. And eighty eight and eighteen eighty, <laughs> but yeah, it's utterly ridiculous. Like, it you wouldn't, wouldn't find that kind of mis- you wouldn't find that in a Conan Doyle. Like it, it's not even about time. It, it, it's just logically, it's irreprehensible. It really is. It just doesn't work. It uh, absolutely doesn't work. Um, uh, and then all of this is revealed. All of this comes out, and I don't, I don't know why. Why do Paul and Harriet tell to? Criminal investigators yeah. who were working on this well, case, everything that's happened. Well, Paul McGann says, uh, so what now? Where do, where do we go from here? Yeah. Um, and then they realise that they're both there because they both got a text thinking it was from the other one saying yeah. we need to talk about this tonight. And then uh, Jonathan and Joe well, don't look at us. And then it cuts to the next day. Yeah. I was like, okay. And I've literally written... How did they get out of that situation? Because they're aware yeah. that they're murderers. They've they're told going, them exactly like, how they've done this double murder yeah. now. So I want to know what the conversation was after we cut away. How how did they... Yeah, okay, you can go off now and tell the police that we're murderers or what... Like, what... What... How... Anyway, it's well, I've the next got some, day. I've got some theories about a conversation that they might have had. Right. But it's, it exists only in my brain because, well, I, again, once no again, difference. I've had to do the work, right? That's no difference to Jonathan Creek. Everything only ever exists in his brain. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. It, it's utterly ridiculous. Um, it's the next day and they're having a chat with the old lady. Yeah. And they say, hmm, I think you might have helped in this. And she went, mm, yeah, I did. I sent them the text messages to each other, pretending yeah. to be from the other person. 2010, you only knew you sent a message because it was signed off with their names. Yeah. And everyone used their full names. Isn't that right? Or did you have a contacts book? <laughs> and your husband or wife, anyone who might have texted you a lot, like your legal life partner. Probably be saved. Probably be saved like, in your you'd phone. No, you'd know. You yeah. go, well, that's not their number. Because yeah. one, I know it, even if I have been too lazy to put their contact of my wife yeah. in my phone. Yeah. And two, it's my housekeeper's number, which I've also definitely got as the same oh my god! In my oh phone. my god, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I keep going, oh, well, you know, it was 1991. Like, no, no, it, it wasn't. It was 2010. Oh, so she does it. And they say, oh, why did you do that? Why, you know, and she said, well, the reason why I did that is because I knew... Something was up. And they go, how did you knew something was up with, with Paul and Harriet? And she went, well, that day that Paul McGann was giving his confession and the vicar fell asleep, I was uh, buffing the be- the pews yeah. um, in the in the church. And I heard the whole thing. Because she has apparently 
superhuman hearing. I mean, like, no, like, no, the way they show that flutter. I was like, no, no way, no way you've heard that. Inside a confessional booth. Yeah. She's a bat with sonar. And, but she keeps saying, ah, oh, well, of course, you know, that confession, you know, that's a holy privilege. That's not for my, me to hear. So I, it's, therefore, it's not my information to do anything with. Because if the priest had heard it, he would be bound by God not to tell anyone. Now, I just want to let anyone know out there. I, if you confess to murder to a priest. Yeah. And it's an ongoing investigation. And it has ramifications that, like, legally. That priest is duty bound legally to report to it to, to the report police. It. Yeah. yeah. Why does everyone think that priests don't tell anyone I stuff? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Absolutely not okay. Yeah. You can't, you can't go and confess to a priest that... Yeah. Like, oh, oh I, I've killed someone when... Or between three days and a week ago, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, people people say the same thing about doctors and the Hippocratic Oath. And going, well no, well, no, it's also, like, if you, if it's related to a case, then a yeah. doctor legally has to, yeah, give information as well as a vicar does. It's, it's just, yeah, it's not true. It's just, yeah, it's a weird myth. But David Rennick thinks it's true. The vicar thinks it's true. And the, the pew-buffing lady thinks it's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and Jonathan Creek and Joey go, mm, well, there you are then. That's the way religion works. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, so rather than tell anyone, they, she just sets them a little text message yeah. so that they bump into Jonathan and Joey. Yeah. Uh, who she knows are trying to work it out and banks on Paul McGann and Harriet completely confessing the whole ruse, the history of yeah. it. A, a, a 22 year long grudge. Yeah. And the resultant in a framing and a double murder, which I think it's a pretty, pretty wide yeah. gamble because it's the most unlikely thing ever to have happened. Yeah. But in all fairness, it does happen because uh, it was written by David Rennick. Um, and, and also just like to point out, that's why it's utterly ridiculous that she's playing jealousy for real in the beginning, because obviously this was all a premeditated thing with her husband. Of course. So, so yeah, there's no reason why she's playing jealousy at the beginning. It doesn't make sense. For the benefit of no one except herself. Yeah. Um, so it's like Huey, Huey Harper pretending to really be, be blind. Oh, to be blind. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Is that for the benefit of what? Sweet um, screech. But uh, we then, of course, uh, obviously learn all about what happens uh, to Harriet and... Uh, Paul McGann's and, and Hugo and we get everything's all resolved and we oh no no wait a minute no the vicar dies and we don't learn anything <laughs> the vicar dies don't know and why the vicar dies we just not explained but he's apparently been aware that he's gonna die because he's pre-recorded his own eulogy yeah and then it, but also scene... they point he he points out in his DVD recorded eulogy yeah I know what you're thinking God took him too soon but hey you know I've had a good life I'm like right so you you, you know that we're thinking you're too young to die of natural causes, but 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 you're still going to have him die of natural causes. It's nonsense. Fine. No, I don't think he died of natural causes. I think Paul McGann murdered him. Do you know why I think that? Because the end shot of his funeral is a lingering shot with sinister underscoring of Paul McGann looking really terrifying. So yeah. it's like, the, the, the only thing this is telling me is that you've, you've murdered the vicar and got away with it. But behind Paul McGann is sitting Jonathan Creek and Joey, who yeah. are also at the funeral of this vicar yeah. they've had one conversation <laughs> with. And, and 
why? Why are Jonathan? Why is Jonathan Creek and Joey I sitting think. at a funeral with Paul McGann, who they when know? When they all know murdered some. It, it, it's nonsense. So what I think that conversation that by the Judas Tree was was we can tell the police and get Emily released, but we'd also have to tell them that Emily was part of this murder of Paul McGann's brother. Yeah. Um, and they got off with it because they lied about it. But we've only got the murderer's words for that. And the courts didn't find that. So maybe true justice is for Jonathan to overcome his connection with Emily that he's a, a weirdly got and let Emily go down for it. Which I think's a huge perversion of justice. Yeah, it is. But that's the only way I can explain Paul McGann, Jonathan Creek and Joey. Paul McGann being a free man sitting in the church yeah. without Harriet there. They're all keeping up the ruse. They're keeping up the ruse. I just don't for justice for Emily. I I cannot get my head around the fact that David Rennick thought it's not important to explain. It's just, I, I, it's ludicrous that he thinks that that it's actually quite offensive. Yeah, quite offensive yeah. to your audience to give you F-U. so much work to do and then not actually pay it off. It's not resolved. It's the least resolved episode of Jonathan Creek ever. And sometimes, sometimes unresolved endings are nice. Not when you've been forced for an hour and a half to work as hard as you have to work in this episode. Imagine if someone went, oh, you know, the wonderful thing about Agatha Christie is that it's, you know, it's not really about the mystery. It's about the journey you go on, isn't it? With all- no, no, it's about the mystery more than how it's done. If Praro just went, uh, not good to tell you, but we've all learned something. It's the like, friends we made along the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's not about that. It is about, it's about the mystery and we want to see how it ends up. And I think... I think the only possible explanation is that they've decided to let Emily go down for a double murder and for her friend to be murdered whilst pregnant because they were involved in the killing of someone else and they're believing Paul McGann and Harriet's account of that. Harriet wasn't even there at the time, so Paul McGann is the only one who knows the truth and he's a self-confessed murderer. So I don't think it's up for JC and Joey to play God like that. No, it, no, it's not. It's not. Well, that's, it has to have happened. Unless they were like, oh, we'll let you go to the funeral of the vicar because we knew you liked him. But then... <laughs> but Rosa's awaking outside. Brilliant. He was a cuddly fat man. Brilliant. Uh, denouement. The denouement, uh, of course, we have to come back to the Adam Klaus really, really problematic racism stuff. Um... And and maybe may it makes you think that so we're watching. <laughs> You're trying so hard. We're nearly there. Come on, Dave. We're watching a video of the latest thing that Adam's done, and it's Adam and Joey. The thing that she was getting dressed for in a little fairy outfit, and it was her idea, wasn't it, to change yeah. the costumes? What yeah. if I was um, an imp? And they're and and they're at a um a uh, anti-racism. Uh, charity event called the Race Against Racism. Yeah, um, and uh, the guy that's leading it actually does a genuinely quite good speech about yeah. uh, being sick of uh, privileged white men um, telling t- telling our thing, and it's very what, why I should be offended by and what I shouldn't be. And sadly, there's still a small part of me that believes that David Rennick's do- like that. That's that he's not meant to be the protagonist in that. Yeah, so something, and and I, I'm not accusing David Rennick of anything, obviously, but. There's just something about it and the way it's shot and the way that 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 
that our sympathies should be with Adam and not that guy, and yeah. that, and that he's saying, oh, this is what the oh, if you're a oh, oh, if you're a if you're a privileged white guy, you can't do anything anymore. That's, yes, that's the feeling yes. I get, and I and obviously that's abhorrent, uh, and also not true. Um, uh, it's highlighted as, yeah. so much at the moment. You can't help but look at this through a different lens. Yes, um, um, and and you know, my apologies, to David Rennick, if I we're not here to judge David Rennick on, on your Mr. Zapp, but it just it just felt a bit like that for me. Um, but regardless of how he meant it to feel, the actual fact that he's in there and that he's written those words is is something and is good. Uh, yep, especially two thousand and ten. Um. And then Adam comes out and he's dressed as a wizard. And obviously we immediately know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, and so we're watching this we're for watching real. It. Yeah. And Jonathan's watching it back and it looks like he's about to start editing it. So we were like, oh my God. Oh my God. Are you, Jonathan, are you doing it? I've got an issue with that. That would be horrendous. I've got an issue with that. Um, uh, and then Joey comes in. Uh, and, oh, sorry. Adam comes in first, and he puts the laptop down. Yeah. Um. Adam's like, "Well, I think that all went very well." Um. Uh. And then he goes, "Oh, let me have a look." Shows the video, and then obviously shows what's been edited in, which is yeah. uh, Ku Klux Klan outfit. Um. And a burning carrying a burning cross. Yeah. And Adam then starts to get a bit suspicious of Jonathan, and threaten pulls out a sword from the set and says, "And let's remember." Who was it that thought it would be a great idea for me to dress up as a grand wizard? And I was like, right, well, if someone said that to you, there's the clue right there. Because yes. grand wizard is specifically the name of the leader of the KKK. Yeah. So there's that, like, there's a, a wizard <laughs> isn't also called a grand. A grand wizard is only that. That's the yeah. only thing a grand wizard is. So if someone said to you dress up as a grand wizard, you'd go, no, because that's, that's racist. Yeah. But also, I don't know why he's playing suspicion to Jonathan. Okay, because yeah, then he Robert, says, "Yeah." Because then he says, uh, "Because I sure know it wasn't you who came up with that idea." Yeah. So, so why are you brandishing a sword at him? Yeah. In walks Joey. Yeah. Who we know it was her idea her to idea have him to dress up yeah. as Mickey Mouse Wizard from yeah. Fantasia, and then what is he going to? Mer- yeah, because he says, yeah, she says, what's the time? And Jonathan says, no, no, so she says, sorry, what's going on here? And he goes, well, looks like it's just coming up to quarter past three. Yeah. Uh, 3.15. Um, roll credit. Closes laptop, roll so credit. So presumably, so presumably Adam's going to murder Joey. But, well, you cannot murder someone that's already dead. That's the thing, though. And remember, she, she died, died in the urn. In the urn. Yeah. So she's a ghost. So it doesn't matter. Oh, what? Um, oh, that was a I'm really exhausted. hardcore episode. It was so hard. It was so, so much happened for so little payoff. It's it's yeah. it's infuriating. I know it might gone, be the most infuriating episode ever. We've gone two hours on this, but it was one very very convoluted, no payoff whatsoever, and really long. So it long. felt like an hour forty or something. Yeah, I didn't actually clock how long it was. Uh, I th- yeah, I think it was about an hour and a half. But um, yeah, but it's just also hard work because you've got no one's name for the first twenty twenty five minutes. Yeah, and again that thing of like you've got the opportunity in a standalone special to yeah you've got a responsibility to tell us who these people are. Yeah, like in the first few yeah. lines of each of that they speak, tell us who they are, what their character's about, and what relevance you know they might have, so yeah. we know to keep hold of them. And he just doesn't do that. No, and he seems to be doing it less as as like the older the series gets yeah and um that's frustrating judas tree 
also is then called that because it's said to be the tree that Judas hanged himself yeah. on after he turned and betrayed Jesus. Yeah. So, so there's meant to be parallels about about judgment and atonement for sin, man's sins and all that stuff. Well, it's not that subtle. Harriet says, yeah. oh, well, if it was a detective novel, which I published and he writes, you'd hang yourself from the tree and I'd go and hang myself in and we'd yeah. all get, but that's not going to happen. And we don't find out what happens, so it doesn't yeah. matter. But like, you're just shoehorning in this Judas tree thing, yeah. which to give it a good title. Well, that's that's generally most of the episodes, isn't it? Check yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, 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 oh, it's it. It was really difficult. It's a really difficult episode. Um, it's really hard to follow because you're constantly in different flashbacks of different time periods, mystery after mystery after mystery, piling them all on. Um, some connected, some not. Some in different time periods. Some happening on the same day. Um, I never. What happened with the woodshed uh, mystery? The the apparition, the hologram thing. Yep, I was going to ask you that. I oh no, I'm I'm going to set as as much as I don't have that much faith in David Rennick, I'm going to say that one's on us because I really cannot. I I do can't not, remember. Yeah, I do not. Think, I just realised we didn't talk about the reveal yeah, of how that happened. I do not think they would have forgotten that. I think that's us. So There's guys, to the movies, I think it might be a projector thing. But. Let us. Yeah, I think it is a projector thing. Um. Uh, yeah, because he keeps talking about movies. Yeah. And I'm like, but he's a crime novelist. I don't know why you're linking movies to anything yeah. as if it's linked to anyone, because it's not. Um, I can't remember. I can't bother to go back now. No, I... No. I, I you never can't be bothered to, to listen to anymore. I so never, tell us what happened. Yeah. Write in and tell us. I never want to watch this ever again, this no. episode. No. I think this is my least favourite episode. I, w- yeah. I think it's my least... I think this is the worst episode of Jonathan Creek ever. It is. Having said that... Sheridan Smith gives a blinding performance. Sheridan Smith's excellent. And Paul cements McCann's herself as the greatest, possibly the greatest uh, companion. The acting is definitely, and last week as well, overall the acting is definitely of a higher calibre than the early series. Yeah. Uh, you can tell, it, it's not hammy. Everyone's playing it pretty naturalistically. And I think that almost highlights the weaknesses in the script even more yeah. that actually you've got a really strong cast. Um, and and sometimes that can hide weaknesses, and sometimes it could expose them. And I think it's doing the latter here because <laughs> it re- it really, I mean, this is this is dreadful. It's dreadful. None of the reveals make sense. None of uh, there's there's no there's no comeuppance. Like it, yeah, it doesn't work as a no. as a piece. It doesn't work. Um, which is a real shame. But anyway, we're not going to talk about it anymore. No, that's it. We're, we're going like to put that to bed. Purged myself. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to open up a can of ginger beer. Yeah, and um, and reflect and sigh it and breathe a sigh of relief Absolutely. and feel like we've again, you know, it's become a bit of an informal catchphrase. We've watched it, so you don't have to. Yeah, and we really mean it. Do 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 not watch it. Uh, yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> um, you can uh hear what we've got to say um about uh, what's our any request on Wednesday? We've got that coming uh, up. On Thursday. Uh, oh, sorry, Thursday. Any requests on Thursday is uh, Moonlighting. Moonlighting, that was it, yeah. should be fab uh, of uh, our Patreon Sylvan all the way in Canada. Uh, so that should be good fun. Uh, and uh, then, yeah, we'll be back uh, next, uh, this time next week, with a 
another um, uh, of the final uh, Sheridan Smith one. I, I was going to say, it must be the last I think one. It's the final Sheridan Smith one. I believe it's the first appearance of Sarah Alexander, possibly. Oh, I love her so but much. I, I feel like I might have mixed this up in my head. In my head, there is an episode with both of them in, with Joey and mm. Sarah Alexander as the wife, and then she later becomes the one that solves it. Okay. I feel like she first is a bit, but and yeah, I might I might be wrong about that. We'll see next week. Um, in the meantime, of course, you can get in touch with us uh, on Twitter at Macabre Podcaster. You can shoot us an email, podcastermacabre at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, fb.me forward slash podcastermacabre. And of course, you can like, share, subscribe, and listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else where you get your podcasts from. Uh, in the meantime, I have been David Shopman. And I have been Callum Hughes. And this has been Podcaster Macabre. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.